fast, efficient and affordable business grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones, the ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 732 of Aussie Tech Heads. So I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Hello. What's going on? Uh, it's actually been cold. We've had like zero degree days like the last three days in a row. Cold? Yeah. It happens. My bees won't come out. It's too cold. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah, they prefer the warmer weather. It's like a nice warm hive there. Oh, yeah, they'll self-regulate as long as it's, you know, as long as it's not in the middle of a bloody, you know, wind tunnel. It'll be, they'll be fine. <laughs> So, but yeah, no, it's, uh, we're finally seeing that winter that everyone was talking about. It was all wet and rainy last week and all cold and chilly this week. So next week it'll be warming up again. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's like you're done. That's it. It's all you're getting this year. I think it was like that last year. It's like you blink and winter's gone. Uh, last year I probably had my jumper on probably a week or so. Yeah, I, haven't put, I haven't put my jumper on at all this week, this year. Um, I remember 10 years ago when I was working out this way for a landscape company, every morning I'd be coming out this way. I was work, I was living the other side of town and coming out, driving out this way. Every morning, fog was super thick. I had like four jumpers on. Yeah. You know, so it's nowhere near as cold as it was 10 years ago. Back in the day. But then again, we used to get, you know, that was when we had dry winters and wet summers. Now we're getting dry summers and wet winters. So... <laughs> You know, I saw this lady who put on Twitter. I was telling my uh, six-year-old daughter that um, before Netflix did all the streaming, they used to send you D- movies, DVDs oh, yeah. in the mail before they became a streaming was, service. Wasn't that a short-lived expedition? And and my six-year-old daughter said, "Back in my day, the internet <laughs> came via the mail." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's, uh, that was a short-lived... That was, what, maybe one or two years? There was, yeah, I think they kept going for a bit once they started streaming, even. Yeah, they did, but, I mean, like, just as just as that, there, there wasn't much of a transition period between video mm. store and streaming. Like, it was a really quick rollover. And then everyone saw how great they were, so they took all their stuff off and made their own streaming service now, and they have to sign up for 10... <laughs> Yeah, well, there's that. But, I mean, if you think about it, like, if you went to a video store, <clears throat> like, I don't know about here, in, in Lismore, where I grew up, we had five main video stores. Yep. And other than really big name headline titles that come out, they really all carried different videos. 
So you could go, you know, you would go to a different video. You'd have to have five different memberships because there'd be five different stores and you'd go to a different store and you'd do the rounds. You'd go, um, you'd come into town, you'd go to Video Easy, you'd go to Rainbow Video, you'd go around the block to Video 2000, then you'd go out to um, Civic Video and then Blockbuster on your way back. And you'd, you'd yep. do this like loop and you'd get one from each place and I'd watch them over the weekend and then Sunday night or Monday morning, you'd do the ring and drop them all off again. <laughs> so having multiple My things, friends didn't like you know, it. I just enjoyed it too much hanging around there. They're like, come on, just pick something and go. I'm like, but, 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 but. Well, I used to work at the video store, so it was kind of a bit of a non-event for me. <laughs> You knew all, everything about everything. Well, plus I got to see I got movies I got to see movies that we didn't even have because we'd get all the trailer all the um, pre-release videos that would come out six months before the video was due to come out, yep. so you could put your orders in. And so I'd watch all these new releases at the same time they're at the cinema. I'm watching at home on video <laughs> and deciding whether or not we need to order two copies or thirty copies. You know. So have you, have you tried um, Tubi? I see that's now um, advertised a lot. I've, I haven't tried it. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one called DAZONE, which does sports streaming, apparently, and it's like three bucks a month or something. D-A-N-Z, DAZONE, they said it's called, but I might, uh, I've got Google TV and it's got all the apps, so I could probably put Tubi on there and you don't need a sign in account or pay anything it just has like maximum of four ads in an hour or four minutes worth of ads in an hour i think it is and um you just watch movies and stuff they've got tube is a lot like um uh the other one i have a complete blank over at the moment um go to at least we call go to video but it's changed its name uh, um, they said um, it's also a bit like sumi's short-lived crackle and I think maybe popcorn yeah. TV as well. It's all the B and C and D grades. They don't have any of the. They don't have any of the the you know anything that would hire on a regular site. Yeah. They don't have on here. It's all the stuff that you wouldn't normally. You know, buy you might pay find for. something worthwhile watching though. Oh, there's always that's actually one cool thing about a lot of these sites where they don't have all the big ones up because of that. You sort of just look through them. And then suddenly you'll find something that's absolutely amazing. It's just this gem in the rough that's been overshadowed by... It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's timing when it came out. It was overshadowed by other stuff and sort of never got a foothold. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so there's... It, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, some of my favourite movies are... Oh, The Lawnmower Man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be worth watching again. Yeah. The director's cut at that. Um I'm on the Tubi site. I'm just, just scrolling through them, you know. And so there are some really good movies that are um, R, B, and C and D grade movies that you wouldn't generally. They'd never get recommended to you, and you wouldn't generally watch. But they're actually really good. Yep. Like um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. Oh, that's there. <laughs> and uh, what's the other one? Um. Atta zombies. Attack of the Lesbian Vampire Killers. Oh <laughs> well, no, Attack of the Lesbian Vampire Yeah, Attack of the Lesbian Vampire Killers. It's, it's actually it's got the same dude that's in um Shaun of the Dead. It's those, oh, yeah, it's those yeah. two guys. But it's <laughs> you know there's yeah. So I'm not I'm all for you know, not necessarily 
um, fantastic movies. That I, Woody Woodpecker and Friends, there you go. I've been um, giving my money to good old Russ Kogan. Ernest Rides Again, yeah. I've got a couple of things. One of them like this. Soundbar. Mm. Came with a subwoofer. The, the box is kind of... L-shaped because the subwoofer went in this part, but the sound bar is so long that it's got a pointy bit sticking out. So, it's a, it's a 3.1, but it can emulate up to 7.1. Then I just got a um, Kogan sound bar for the computer. Yeah. That, um is a 2.0.2. Which, so it can, uh, it's got fa- upward facing speakers so you can hear rain coming from above and stuff. And all the Dolby Atmos and DTS and everything's built into both of them. And I got the, the um, Sony one on the, um, with the subwoofer right up against the wall so it can vibrate everything on the TV. It's just running Google TV device and everything sounds fantastic there now. Never knew what I was missing out without the surround stuff. <laughs> it's one thing I've always like. I don't care too much for my computers and whatever, but out in the lounge room, I always have, you know, even at the moment, it's only set up a stereo because I haven't got all the speakers installed, but even that, it's still got a subwoofer and like just adding the sub makes a huge difference. Yeah. You really notice it when you don't have it. And the funny thing was when, when I got these, I was looking on check. I was saying on Twitter, uh, I got these things. I think I'm just going to be giving all my money to Russell and Kogan. <laughs> yeah. And one of my friends is, oh, I'd never buy anything from him. I said, well, at least he's not Jerry. He's like, oh, they're all the same. I'm like, mm, I really don't think Russell's as bad as no, Jerry. <laughs> not quite. But um, they have a Kogan first that you can sign up for a 14-day trial, and then it's yeah. $49 a year. And you get um, special deals, you get notifications of stuff before it comes out to everybody else. Sometimes you get free shipping on stuff. And that was $49 after the free trial, which you could cancel and then just not take. But that joining that while I got these um, two, they knocked $190 off the price of everything. Yeah. It's it pays for itself real quick. We we use it forty nine dollars to get one hundred and ninety dollars. We use it at work for our. Um, we buy a lot of stuff through work through Kogan, and we get on the work account. We've got that, and even stuff like we got um, these hot water. They're two liter, and the hot water dispensers. So instead of having a kettle at work, you just have this, and you put your cup under it, press the button, and it just instantly boils the water into the cup. Yeah. So you're not reboiling all the water all the time and stuff. Yeah. And they were a hundred and off the top of my head, they're like hundred and sixty nine bucks and they're forty nine dollars for a Kogan first member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so just that buying one we ended up buying two, but just buying one of those would have paid for the yearly membership. Yeah. Well the, the Sony one they only like ten dollars off, which is fair because it's Sony, but the Kogan um soundbar, which has got built in subwoofer and it's two 0.2 speakers it they knocked off 180 dollars from that so it only ended up being like 130 dollars or something for this amazing and you list go to youtube and look for dolby atmos test video 
turn everything up full and just sit there. And it's like, <laughs> you know, that when they had Mr. Pewter Schmidt and he's got his classical music on and sitting in front of his big speakers and he's getting blown away, which was a parody of a TV advertisement. Yeah. That's the kind of thing with all the sound going around and zoom, zoom. And then I found out that they got a Kogan black credit card, which you can sign up for, which gives you a free um, join to free uh, membership to the Kogan first. Plus every, you get two points, two Kogan points for every dollar you spend, plus a few other things. And um so I was like, oh, well, why, why, why would I pay even $49 for the Kogan first discounts if I can pay zero? So I applied and I got the approved for the Kogan black credit card, which is on its way. And I'll just cancel one of my other credit cards because I don't need three. I don't really need two, but <laughs> the Coles one is good because you get the flybys and stuff. And every now and then at the um, self-checkout, it says, would you like $10 off these groceries because you're flybys? You're like, yes, please. Yeah, that's it. You go in there and buy like $15 worth of stuff and they're like, oh, just give us five. That's fine. So <laughs> I'll keep the Coles one and then um, use the Kogan one and just buy all my electronics. And they got electronics, computers, they've got coffee machines. Oh, I think they got clothing and stuff. Kogan's there. got just about everything now. Everything. Yeah. It's amazing what's on there. Yeah. So, so I'm like, well, if I'm going to be giving all my money to Russ, I might as well get his credit card and get some good bonuses for me too so i was just looking on uh tubi they've got gone in 60 seconds they got convoy they got steven seagal's dangerous man so they've got a lot of good stuff on here the original gone in 60 seconds yeah the, be the, uh, the best one the better one <laughs> the correct one i i saw the um nicholas cage one first so uh, watching yeah. the other one if i watch it the other it's, way around it's it's the same deal it's like rocky horror it's like tron it's a cult yeah, it's a 974. Realistically, it's a C. You class it as a C grade because it's actually HP Malachi, the guy who directed it. He funded it with some mates and they shot it all. They went and hired some camera gear and they did it all themselves. Like, they weren't movie guys, they were car guys. Yes. You know. Um, but in my mind, that's what makes it a really good movie. If you're and a car guy, they're not it's actors. More than Hollywoodized. Yeah. They're not actors, they're, they're not stuntmen, they're not. Uh, you know, camera guys, they don't understand sound and lighting and they just shot a movie. Yeah. And to me, that's what, you know, you don't have this little Honda Civic cruising on the highway changing 400 gears and like, it's just full on... Tra Travelling you know. backwards faster than everyone can drive forwards. Yeah, and... you know, it's just like <laughs> this guy, V8 power, being chased by cops, running away, running into yeah. things, crashing because he can't, you know, he's not a stuntman, so occasionally yeah. he'd crash and wreck the car. <laughs> And they'd pause and everybody would stop and wait and they'd fix the car and get it going. And like there's one there's in. one scene where he, go, he clips, he's supposed to come off and, and go up onto, the, onto a service road. And as he comes across, he clips the back of one of the other cars. Yeah. Puts the car into a flat spin and, so, and T-bones a telephone pole. All right. And he goes to hospital with like two fractured vertebrae and a dislocated shoulder and all sorts of stuff. While he's in hospital, while they're looking after him, they're fixing the car so that they can continue the shot. And he gets, <laughs> he, he gets signs himself out of hospital the next morning. Yeah. And then they continue the shot. And then he does the longest jump in Hollywood history. is like a 140-foot jump or something <laughs> with, a bro with a broken back. <laughs> you know, so. 
they were hardcore back in those days. They don't kill them like but that's that what anymore. I mean. It's literally just car guys shooting a movie. That's I, <laughs> to that's me. That's the appeal good. of it, you know. Um, but yeah, convoy, you know, good old convoy. That's that's always a Chris Christopherson, you know. I love um, the song from that too. Rabadaki. Rollish train, convoy, Christ USA, convoy. They kind of alluded to it in uh, in uh, Smoking the Bandit a little bit. Yeah. So, I love that movie. I'm, I'm going to have to watch everything again now that I've got Atmos. <laughs> I just watched um, Fifth Elements again today oh, yeah. because I've got the Atmos and I wanted to experience cinematic like. And I'm like, this is awesome. I just thought but that... it's not streaming anywhere. I had to buy it from Google or we'll rent it for $5. It's one of the few movies I in that that era that I actually went to saw at the cinema. I was um, sad to see that Gary Oldman reckoned it was the worst thing he ever did and wish he never went for that role. I can't Are you kidding me? He was awesome in that. He was. Everybody's complaining about that movie's bloody <laughs> what's his name? Was it Chris Rock? No. Um Chris Tucker. Tucker, yeah. Everybody's complained to him. You know. I just can't stand that. <laughs> It's but so the, but the irony is Son loves that whole like everything that he does in that yeah. part she loves. Come on, come on, come on, come on. So I don't know. <laughs> Try and pretend you have more than a two word vocabulary. Are you agreeing? So I think it depends on you know. It's like like that movie um, I was telling you about. Um, oh, Children of Men. Children of Men. You know, some people say it's the best sci-fi movie ever. But I don't necessarily agree with that. But I'd have to say it's definitely one of the best cinemagraphic movies ever. Some of yep. the setup shots and some of the tracking shots and the like seven minute continuous camera through a battle zone and up staircase and like that's all one giant shot. It's like a seven minute shot. Yeah, that was you know? awesome. And there's another bit where they're being chased by like motorbike riders and stuff and the camera's going through the car and up and across the roof and back through this way and around and <laughs> it's it's all done in one shot like it's absolutely insane the cinematography in that movie is brilliant i didn't watch that one until i got my sound bar and something <laughs> i was like i've got to do that <laughs> you know and the movie itself is, is fairly decent but yeah there's some scenes in it that just set it apart like there's nothing special particularly about the movie it's an interesting concept and yeah okay it's got good acting and all the stuff you'd expect but there's just some of those cinematography moments in it that really make it worth you you remember the movie for those moments more so than you know it's you watch something like um i don't know avatar and if you've seen it in 3d you remember it because you saw it in 3d and at the time that was groundbreaking i did yeah. and i don't remember anything about the movie no. there's a tree and there's a dude who drives a puppet thing. And that's literally about all I remember. Yeah. All I remember was it was in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and watch it again because I don't recall anything. Yeah. You know, and the, I don't know if that's a sign of a good movie or a bad movie. But it does well, make you watch it again because... They're, they're going to make another couple, so... Oh, well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> but it's, I don't know if I'll bother with In that. my mind, I think it's sort of a good movie because you're so focused on what's happening, you don't remember the movie, and it makes you go and watch the movie again. Yeah. Like Inception. You know, yeah. it's, one, it's one of those I've movies. I've watched that so many times. Oh, I've watched it, yeah. I'm the same. I, and Memento. And Memento. I know, and I watched um, Tenet again for the second Tenet, time yeah. last week, so... I gotta watch that again. That's on my hopefully this weekend. All the Christopher time. Nolan stuff. Just... Oh yeah, it's fantastic. And I think was it um, 
I can't remember. I think it might have been Memento was actually the idea for that came was um, come up with from his brother. They were, okay. they were going on a long road trip or something, and his brother's like, "What about this for an idea for a movie?" And then had some of the, told him some of the stuff about Memento, and he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." So they got together and wrote that one. Okay. I think, I think it was that one. It was one of the Christopher Nolan ones, but I think it was that. And then um, he took on with it, and then turned it into something big. But they both wrote it together or something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise. It does sound, you know. It's it's definitely an interesting um, you know a concept. It's not the problem is it could ve- the weird part about that is it could really be based on somebody's life. The problem is that person wouldn't know if it was based on their life. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's that sort of movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, because of the way it's written, even if it was based on somebody, they wouldn't necessarily know that it was. Yeah, or well, even the guy who was in the movie didn't know that they were talking about himself. Yeah. He thought it was some other guy who was um, giving his diabetic wife too much insulin, but it turned out to be him all along. Well, apparently, yeah. And uh, there's... Um, Spoiler. Got... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a 20-year-old movie. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, there's another one like... Rosebud was the name of the sled. Like um, the last laugh, <laughs> the last laugh, twenty nineteen Chevy Chase, yeah, um, Chevy Chase, um, Andy McDowell, um, Richard Dreyfus. Um, you know, it's got quite a decent cast in it, and it's the it, when you talk about road tripping, it reminded me of that because it's he's an ex producer, and Dreyfus was an ex comedian. Yep. And they're in a retirement village and they're both going absolutely stir crazy in the retirement village. So they went, hey, look, I'm a producer, you're a comedian, let's hit the road and let's go and do some shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these two 80-year-old guys getting out into yep. the world and <laughs> trying to try and mingle in the real world. Yeah. It's hilarious. Sounds <clears throat> you know? good. So, and speaking of old people doing movies, the very excellent Mr. Dundee. Um, that was good, I watched that. Have yeah. you? I haven't watched it yet. Paul Hogan, Jacob Elody, Chevy Chase, John Cleese, Olivia Newton-John. Um, who else is in that? Oh, Everybody. Shane Jacobson. And it's got nothing about Mick Dundee, so I don't think it's going to be another no. that's not a knife thing uh, uh, in the well, Australian Outback. Well, technically that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> and the part was... It's was a story it? in it about in a story. Yeah, it's a story of a story, but it's funny because you hear them calling themselves with their real names. Yeah. Like you hear John Cleese at one point, like Paul says, he's like, are we supposed to be driving like this? He's like, I don't know. I don't have a driver's license. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's sometimes some of these, um, I don't know how we got on the subject, but yeah, some of these like last hurrah movies almost are actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know how we got on there, but yeah. So there you go. There's some movie suggestions for you to watch. There you go. This week in movies. <laughs> don't forget you can sponsor us. Yeah, kofi.com slash uh, Aussie Techheads. Um, Is that kofi.com? Slash... Yeah, well, <laughs> why not? Um, Patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads. You can get us there. Uh, yeah, it, it helps um, all those few dollars we get. It makes a big difference. It helps us set stuff up and buy equipment and uh, host stuff. And, uh, of course, we are we are hosted by Aussie Techheads, but, uh, you know, we've still got to 
pay for bandwidth and, and all that sort of stuff that goes through. And, and Blue Ocean. Blue Ocean web hosting, which is what it will become. Um, and remember, too, if you do sign up to a, a higher tier um, Patreon, you do actually, that does incorporate, depending on which tier you sign up, some of those do include um, web hosting for free. So if you are thinking about starting a website, maybe look at doing it that way because you get uh, the benefit of helping us and you get the benefit of a website. So. Did you look up GUI? <clears throat> Sorry? GUI. GUI. What he about became him? a Patreon, you were going to look up he with what his tier oh, was. Oh, no, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, okay. I should mention that. Patreon is slightly broken at the moment. Um, when we set it up, they didn't support Australian dollars. They only supported US dollars. Um, so they were supposed to do the conversion on the page, which they did. But now what happens is they actually natively support Australian dollars. So it says it's like $4, but then they add like GST to it or something now because it's an Australian page. So the amount's different to what it says it is. So I've got, we've got to go through and completely rejigger the, the Patreon site. I'll just keep yeah. forgetting to do it. But yeah, so it, it's a little bit screwy. That's Patreon's doing. Honestly, we're it's not... It's tickets for you. <laughs> yeah. We're all screwy here. That's, that's it, exactly. So, um, but... Uh, and of course, Battery Central is uh, uh, is is my mine and Sonya company. Discount. We, uh, you go there and we'll look after you and give you a discount and give you advice and... Stuff you might need, so... Tell me where to shove your battery. It's a bit cold. <laughs> oh, you've tried it. <laughs> it's normally a D-cell. It's only a triple A this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, alrighty. Here, while we're laughing... You know what that means? Visa says spending on cryptocurrency linked cards topped US $1 billion in the first half of this year. Just the first half. Visa customers spent well, more than Well, which is good because we're only out half of this year, so it'd be a problem yeah. if there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Visa customers spent more than $1 billion on cryptocurrency linked cards in the first half of this year. <clears> the <throat> payments process takes steps to make cryptocurrency transactions smoother. While a lot of other people are going, Crypto's evil and sucks and don't go anything for it. Visa and PayPal. Yeah, and all the, all everyone's the, like, let's jump on the crypto bandwagon. All the companies that have anything to do with money transactions. Yeah. The company said it was partnering with 50 cryptocurrency platforms to make it easier for customers to convert and spend digital currencies at 70 million merchants worldwide. The move is in line with Visa's broader acceptance of digital currencies. In March, the company announced it will allow the use of USD coin to settle transactions on its payment network. Investor sentiment on cryptocurrencies has somewhat soured recently with regulatory crackdowns in China and elsewhere. Bitcoin, the world's biggest cryptocurrency, has seen a, have seen a punishing slide from the euphoria earlier this year, which it took to record highs. However, a clutch of high-profile names are continuing to strengthen their involvement with the digital assets. Last week, Japan's investment giant SoftBank Group Corp invested $200 million US in the Mercado Bitcoin, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in Latin America. Wells Fargo said in May it would onboard an actively managed cryptocurrency strategy for its wealthy clients, while Goldman Sachs launched a cryptocurrency trading team the same month. So look, if Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs think it's very legitimate and they're going to do stuff for their wealthy, wealthy clients, 
using crypto stuff. Maybe they're just telling all of the poor people, crypto's bad, you don't want it. So all the rich people buy it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Make all the rich people buy it and bump the price up so the poor people who only have 12 shares can actually make some money on it. <coughs> so, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> not um, for them, it isn't. <laughs> no, well. When you take the doge. That was, uh, that was Tesla's fault, then. So, so I was just checking my doge and it has dropped again. Dang it, go the other way. I want to sell my coins, but I don't want to sell them yet. I want it to go a bit higher. Engine's going back up. Yeah. It's flying. So. Speaking of flying, Hubble telescope, still offline. Oh. So basically, if you don't know, Hubble's been up since um, 81, something like that. And um, <clears throat> it has very, very old school technology computing, basically to the point where it's not really processes in the way we think of them. It's it's a bunch of microcontrollers doing pro- processing information. So it's very, very slow. Um, but it is basically bulletproof. Like it, It's a very slow way of handling data, but it's a very consistent, reliable way of handling data. It's been going for a long time. It has. It's, you know, it was only originally designed for a 10 or 15 year... Uh, work and it's been going since yeah like 81 so 80 or 85 something like that so it's been going for a long time um so oh there you go 31 years it's been in space for um but so what happened and this has happened a couple of times one of the computers is like like a computer does has just wigged out and they reboot it and it's all good to go um which worked for the first week and then it still hasn't it's still glitching hasn't come back up um, they they think the original culprit was the, what they called the Standard Spacecraft Computer 1 or the NSSC-1 um, and they do have a full backup of everything so they have a full backup of computer they have a full backup of memory they have a full backup of power supply like every component's on they have two of everything so what they did <coughs> they backed up everything that they could get off the system at Oh, everything was in the memory so the payload data everything was on there they backed it all up to NASA shut the thing down rebooted it it came up for a while uh, then within a few days it, it fi- failed again um, this time and now there's the, they thought it was uh, memory um, and they've been through that and they've decided it wasn't memory because they could once again switch banks and it was the same fault um, so now they're thinking it's either the, what they call the C, the S, I, C and D, H unit, which they don't give the acronym for, but basically it's, um, it's the command unit, science data formatter. Uh, it's what translates commands to data and data to commands. Basically it's, it's, in, it's more like an interface so that the system knows what to do. They think it's either that, which they have a backup of one, but once again, it's one of those processes where because everything's so slow you, and you can only send X amount of data in one radio pulse and it can only send X amount of data back in one radio pulse. So to and fro information takes a while. Uh, so they're going to try and switch that out. But if that fails, the only thing left is the power supply, which once again, they have a backup of, but it's a whole process of backing the thing up. And then, you know, it's <coughs> it's a multi-day, site, multi-day process just to like reboot the thing. So... 
when you've got data that you've got to upload and download and reload and back up and change and shift and move to a different memory bank and <laughs> it's there can be several weeks just to just to do a basic thing you know i need so. to go into the jeffrey tubes to reconfigure the um nascent cells to reroute the power from the core through the photon torpedoes <laughs> pretty much well it, it's funny the i was watching a thing um where they were showing you how the how they get the photos lined up and then when they finally take the photo the process at which goes through like there's this one spot that they want to take a photo of so on the next rotation they tell it to zoom in and then they pinpoint it again and the next rotation they tell it to pinpoint it again and resume in and like so this goes on for like so one photo takes like three or four months to get it lined up and then once they've got this photo lined up they actually take the photo and then once the satellite transcodes that information into transmittable information then it sends that over x amount of days you know like when this image comes in live it comes in live but it comes in in like 16 byte <laughs> chunks <laughs> so you know you've got this massive i don't know how many megapixel cameras on that thing i know they upgraded it a couple of years ago um but you've got this data that just takes forever to happen in both directions so but it was like i know when they're doing the um the rover and they're sending commands to the rover and then waiting for a response to send it back and whether it got the information and then after it moved it had to send the back and then it sent the picture and the you know it was hours and hours and hours just to move the thing a yep. centimeter <laughs> so um but yeah so we'll see what happens as i said like it was only designed to last 10 years or whatever it's been up in the air 30 so it's done a pretty good job i'm yeah. pretty sure that they um you know, it's definitely it's definitely run its course. Uh, one thing it could be that, and they don't mention anything about it on here. Uh, I, but I know one of the it's one of the older satellites. I think it was. Um, one of the battery packs had deteriorated, and so every time it came around the Earth into the sun, it had. Um, like 17 minutes or something they had to transmit a command to it before it lost the signal again and then shut down in the dark and then it boot back up in the sun and they they, they were trying to bring the satellite down because it wasn't usable anymore because it had failed but it took them like six months of traversing to get the commands required (laughs) for it to do it because they only had like this 15 minute window or 17 minute window every time it come around so every like whatever it was you know, every three hours or whatever it was, they had 17 minutes and they can only <laughs> send like one byte of data in that period of time yeah. to, to get this thing to retrograde down into the atmosphere. <laughs> so. Should have got a lift on the Tesla that's up there. Yeah, yeah, just send one of the, um, one of the, the SpaceX rockets up there. They're, they're fine. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeff could pick it up while he's up there. Yeah. Oh, wait. Richard's going to be first now, isn't oh, he? Is he going? Oh, that's right. He's going up there now. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, then um, Jeff, and then Elon. I think it's whoever pays the most amount of money at this stage. Yeah. That's, that's really what it is. The Earth's on fire. The ocean's on fire. 
everyone's going to die, but at least we've got the space first and also some grannies going up. Yeah, isn't some old guy. I thought it was an old guy. This old lady uh, is going to be the oldest person going up in the space with. They might not come back, but they'll go up. <laughs> <laughs> but just, just leave me here. It's fine. I've got a good view for the rest of my life. Um, I, I can't. My brain can't process that information. I'm afraid of heights. Uh. So, like, more than three foot off the ground for me is terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I, actually, uh, the irony of that is I love flying an aircraft. Yeah, flying is fun. I love it. Absolutely love it. I think it's the best thing in the world, but I hate heights. I don't know how yeah. that works. But <laughs> for me, I can't imagine being... No, I just can't. My brain doesn't let me doesn't let if me you, imagine that. If you want to last forever, you should get somebody when you can't get to um, send you off to the moon or something where there's no atmosphere, no oxygen, no microbes to degrade you and you just exist forever. <laughs> uh, you're doing my head in. Stop it. Story, please. <laughs> <laughs> the expansion of draconian security measures proposed in a new bill will allow employers to snoop on the personal internet and email activity of more than 2 million Australians. Increased powers have been described as beyond ludicrous by the Electrical Trades Union, which will allow employers to slap invasive measures on everyday workers traditionally imposed on high security sectors at risk of espionage. Under the bill, 11 critical infrastructure industries outlined as potential risks to security include the food and grocery sector, transport, financial services, and water and sewage sector. It is proposed to apply powers aimed at nullifying potential threats of domestic terrorism on professions such as podiatry, physiotherapy, and those operating a life insurance business. The ETU will on Friday argue at a public hearing in Parliament House against the bill being mandated to extend the Auscheck system of background checks to those working on what's classified as critical infrastructure assets. This means the vast swaths of Australian population can be subjected to invasive security checks, eroding fundamental rights to privacy and seriously undermining our civil liberties. The ETU National Policy Advisor Trevor Golds told NCA the security legislation amendment bill is way too broad and way too vague in its application. He said just four industries listed in the bill, hospital transport, food retailing, medical and healthcare, account for 2 million workers alone. Who will be subjected to significant profiling by their employer for matters completely unrelated to their employment under the guise of counter-terrorism. Australians who work in industries such as food and grocery will be placed under similar microscope to those at risk of international espionage. That's how broad the bill is. An apprentice electrician now somehow poses a terror threat to the power industry. It's beyond ludicrous. Podiatrists, I admit, are pretty important people I would never have thought of a podiatrist as domestic terrorist threat. Where do you begin with that one, <laughs> Mr. T? I mean, are they serious with this crap? I need to I need to read that again. <laughs> uh, okay, which way do I approach this? Do I approach it from the most we've got nothing to hide, it's not a problem mentality? Or do I approach it from the the normal person who actually cares about the way the world's going mentally. Yes. <laughs> because like so. this is, and this is like the, the COVID app is part of this issue. People are like, oh, but if you've got nothing to hide, why does it matter? It's not the point. It's my data that's for me to use when I want. That's the whole point of it. Like 
I get privacy's dead. That, that's not the thing. But the, the, what they're saying here is that every time, and I mean, I'm sure it happens anyway, even if it's not legislated at the moment. But every time you visit Facebook or make a phone call, you know, at the moment, currently it's logged. But what it means is it's not going to be logged. It's going to be actually looked at. So every time you look at Facebook, they're literally seeing what you're seeing, what you write, what you read. It's all being, it's all being recorded. Um, it's not just, oh, he went to Facebook for an hour during his workday, naughty boy. You know, it's like he went to Facebook, he looked at this person's site, he looked at this person, he wrote this, he read this article, he did this, he went to this website, he ordered this, he ordered fertilizer online. Why is he ordering fertilizer online? He must be going to make a bomb. Let's arrest him. Great, I've mentioned bomb now. We're going to get knocked off the air now. (laughs) Nice knowing you. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and that, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be. Under the guise of domestic terrorism, well, the biggest frigging domestic terrorists in the country are the politicians, and none of them have been arrested yet, so you're pretty safe there. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, the problem with this bill is that it's not surprising me that they're trying to do it. I think that's the issue. I, I don't think anybody's surprised by this. Um, it's just the, the, the lax attitude of people that are going to allow this to happen instead of standing up for, you, for yourself and you're right. It's like, <coughs> um, as I said, like, you know, the old adage of nothing to hide is all fine and dandy, but that doesn't give somebody the right to crawl through your life. And don't forget, this applies to bank accounts. So they're going to have all your bank account details. They're going to have your login information. They're going to have all that data. They're going to have access to um, all your bills, anything you've done like that. And then if they suspect that you're up to something, whether or not you are, they don't need proof. They just need to suspect it. They then have the authority to monitor that on your home use as well. I mean, where do you stop? You know, where do you draw the line? You know? So it's... Well, apparently physiotherapists are very dangerous people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so yeah, going to take over the country pity, for the Chinese and the Russians. And podiatrists and <laughs> it's just it's so are they dumb. serious? They can't be right. No, the problem is they are serious. This is this is the problem. <coughs> when you got morons running the country, you end up with moronic practices in place, and this just proves it. Is this one of Dutton's things, maybe? Uh, who'd know who's oh, who's brainchild? I don't know whose brainchild it was, but. You can guarantee that none sat- of them had brains. Yeah, well, they sat down with to lunch with the highest bidder and went, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah, that's how it come about. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I mean, in in look, there is some rework needed to some of the current legislation, uh, like the phone tap bill from like nineteen seventy five or something. <laughs> You know, it's it's a little outdated now. It, it could do with a little bit of a rework. Um, there are some sections that, yes, could probably be tightened up. But to pass a bill like this, you're just asking for trouble. As I said, there was, what, 2 million people just in that, that one industry and they're listing, what, 20, 20 industries or something. So, basically, it's if you work for somebody, you're now considered... And this is the way this works too, mind you. You're considered a domestic terrorist until you're proven not to be. Not the other way around. They don't go, oh, no, he's fine. Don't worry about looking at his stuff. They say, let's look at everybody's data 
and then figure out who we don't need to worry about. That's that's the way it works. You'll it's it's you're you're guilty until proven guilty. Or backwards. You know that's how it works. Um, which is the same principle we, they've been getting us used to for years. We just haven't noticed it. All your speeding fines, your parking infringements, all those. They're all your guilty and too proven guilty. <clears throat> because they expect you to pay it without a court, you know, without going to court, they just want you to pay the fine, which means that you're guilty. I've told you you're guilty, now pay it. It's all income. You know, if, if you're innocent before proven guilty, it would have to go through a court of law first. Um, but we're so used to just thinking that way now that we accept that as normal. Yeah. You know, we've been brainwashed over the last 40 years since Wheatlam since the mid-80s to, to think that that's an acceptable behavior mode. And it's not. And that's why bills like this get passed because people just go, oh, well, it won't affect me. But it Until will. it does. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. It will affect you. If you work for a company, let's say you work in, I don't know, let's say you work at the abattoirs. So one of the least restricted in terms of who they employ. Um uh, you know, companies out there, and this act goes through. Well, suddenly this act is going to apply to Woolworths, and then Woolworths' chain of command is going to go, well, "Where are we buying our meat from?" They say, "Oh, we're buying it from this bulk butcher." They're going to go to the bulk butcher and go, "Well, where are you buying your meat from?" They go, "Well, we get it straight from the abattoirs." So next thing you know, the abattoirs are going to have all this sort of stuff in place. You know, and the guys who are struggling and who are in trouble, and there's a reason. I mean, okay. Legitimately, some people love working at abattoirs, and that's, you know, I know a couple of those guys in the fine. But I know a lot of people who work at the abattoirs because it's literally the last dance. Like, because they, they don't really care who works there, as long as you can do the job, they don't ask too many questions. Yep. <clears throat> These people who are working there because they can't get a job anywhere else because nobody will hire them won't be able to work there because they're going to be under scrutiny and investigation. If they've got a criminal record, they're immediately enemy number one. Yep. So. You know, um, yeah, don't think that stuff like this won't apply to you just because you're not in the industry. They'll make yeah. it apply to you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, they can. So, yeah. But time will tell. We'll see what happens. With any luck, that'll be repealed um, or it'll get swept under the carpet for something more important. Uh, keep an eye on it, I suppose. Yeah. Better we can do. Um, New South Wales Department of Education has been struck by another cyber attack. Um, on Thursday, revealed it fell victim to a cyber security attack. So a number of its inter internal systems were deactivated on Wednesday as a precaution. The timing of this creates considerable challenges for staff as we prepare to start Term 3. Uh, thankfully, our teams have been able to isolate the issues and we're working on reactivating services as soon as possible. So the department's priority would be the safety and security of its students and staff data. Uh, which is why the precautionary decision was made to take some sections offline. Uh, Department of Education and Cybersecurity are working to ensure normal access is resumed by the start of Term 3. Most New South Wales currently week two of a three-week lockdown in response to COVID anyway. Uh, I'm confident we'll have the issues resolved as soon as everyone goes back. <coughs> um the Department of Education said it's been working closely with cybersecurity to resolve these issues and has been referred to New South Wales Police and federal agencies for some reason. Um, so, yeah, so currently 
basically the um, most of the education systems offline in New South Wales, which doesn't affect a lot of kids going back at the moment because that's not till next week. Uh, no, actually, New South Wales goes back the week after, I think. Oh. I mean, Queensland goes back this week. Um, but if you're doing homeschooling and things like that, it will affect that because uh, a lot of that section has been taken off the air. So hopefully they'll rejigger that and get that back up and running. Um, so this is the whole downside once again. I was just talking about, you know, schools will be part of this whole cybersecurity threat thing as well because all the data's are, I mean, they've already got all that data. It's easy to find it. So, but yeah, I think this isn't, I don't know if it's New South Wales specifically, it's like the third time, but Department of Education in Australia in general, in the last, what, month or six weeks, it's been three or four attacks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Not even the security. Yeah, well, it's a thing that they don't have. Take them out, security. Right up, Mr. Benno. <laughs> no, not like that. Sorry, Mr. Benno. <laughs> Australian company Immutable, hoping to bring crypto collectibles to the mainstream, has sold more than $2.6 million worth of virtual items for its new video game in its first hour of sales, capitalizing on the excitement around non-fungible tokens, wow. which we've talked about in the past. NFTs, which are unique tradable blockchain items, took off earlier this year as a way to buy and trade ownership of digital art and collectibles using cryptocurrency. Now, Immutable, backed by VCs including Coinbase and Galaxy Digital, is looking to launch a mobile role-playing video game where the items and loot players earn and trade are NFTs. Called Guild of Guardians, the game will have communities of players teaming up to battle through dungeons and uncover loot. Immutable's head of new games, Derek Lau said it's familiar design, but with a blockchain spin. The game's currency are tokens you can buy and sell with cryptocurrency Ethereum. And the in-game items are NFTs issued on Immutable's own carbon neutral exchange. As you play, you'll earn different things. So you might earn crafting materials that you can turn into a blockchain NFT, or you might end summoning shards that you can use to summon the hero that eventually becomes tradable and on the blockchain. The company made the equivalent of almost $4 million in its first of three planned sales of initial items for the game, which included legendary heroes and the right to run guilds. It will also take a cut of all trade items once the game is up and running. Lau was, and was active in the NFT space very early from around 2017 and invested heavily in the briefly popular blockchain game CryptoKitties, where players bred and traded virtual cats. His experience taught him that people with cryptocurrency will buy just about anything, but also that no blockchain game could be sustainable if the only draw was the potential to make money. Yeah. That's right. There's got to be some sort of benefit follow-on yeah. effect. And a fun game to boot. Yeah. You should give it a go. I'm just looking. I was looking through my uh, services I'm registered to because obviously you've got to register your your wallet to um to be part of the NFT stuff. Yep. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm already registered with them, but I think when I registered with them, they were in like pre-beta and they weren't actually doing anything. Right. right. So I'm have to actually go back there and see if there's something waiting there for me. Yeah. We shall see. No, we weren't speaking. I was trying to think of a segue, but there just isn't one. <laughs> Skype for business. Because, you know, that's a hugely popular thing that everybody was using. Yeah. Um, 
But for the ones that are still using it, time is running out. On July 31st, they will be closing um, Skype for Business, hoping that everybody's mitigate, migrated to um, uh, to Teams. Um, but basically, Microsoft's been pushing Skype for Business online customers to move to Microsoft Teams for the past two years. So it should come as no surprise um, that they're shutting it down. The company said it's already supported millions of Skype for Business Online to turn to team switchovers. Uh, it's also regularly reminding customers to do so. So it's not so much just switching over. Um, that's the issue. Just have to remember that if you do the collaboration tools and the calendars and and all that sort of stuff, that's where your issue is going to be. Not all of that stuff will switch over. All of, most of it will. Not all of it will switch over, so you need time to make sure that you've got that implemented. And it's going away, like as in not accessible from July 31st. So if you still have a Skype business account and you haven't migrated across, you're going to lose everything in that account because they're literally shutting them down. place I work for, we have Teams. Guess what we use for video conferencing? <laughs> Same as we use for video conferencing? June. Yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, most people do. It's so much easier to work with. And it just works. It does. It you really remember does. When, when we gave up on Skype because there was so much lag and crap and stuff happening after Microsoft took over. Yeah. We tried, like, 20 different video conferencing systems. We tried... we tried Zoom, but then you had to pay for it. So we were like, mm, maybe we can find a cheap one or, or a free one. No. It was Zoom, we paid for it, and it worked. And initially, even back when it was really, really early days, it worked. It may yeah. not have been as, as definitely wasn't as bulletproof as it is now. Like you can guarantee, it just it's just rock solid now. It almost never, almost never plays up. Yeah. Um, but even in the early days, it was a very reliable option. Whereas most of the other ones, they were fine a lot of the time. But when they didn't work, they just didn't work. And especially but, you know, when you're in the middle of a show that you're <clears> recording, <throat> it, it, I. It, Oh, the amount of times that oh. with um, what was it, hangout? hangouts, you would think they would hangout? Google should be on the ball. Well, hangouts was fantastic, except they either you would have either really bad audio or really bad video, you know, or they would just would so far out of sync it wasn't funny. Or OBS couldn't, you know. Uh, well, yeah, it got to the point where OBS wouldn't work with it, but um, all these, whether it was Skype, whether it was um, what was it the Zoom? There was another one. Like there was a there was a blue background. I can't think what it was. But yeah, there was four or five we tried, and they just all just they were flaky. Yeah. The Zoom. Just, uh, the funny thing is, when pre Microsoft Skype was fantastic. Yeah. And there was other. I think Zoom was even around then. There was other was alternatives. Yeah. Peer to peer video. Then they decided to do super nodes for everything, and it yeah. screwed it all up. You know, there was other alternatives to Skype even back then, like Uvu, for example, yep. that we used to use a lot. Because even, I mean, Skype was fairly good, but there were, like, Uvu was better. But then they started charging if you wanted longer than, like, 45-minute videos. And so they went back to Skype. As soon as Microsoft bought out Skype, it went to garbage. And then things like Zoom started popping up and, you know, haven't looked back. Haven't looked so, back. so yeah. Any more stories? Not really. That's pretty no. much that. Alrighty, thanks for listening to Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. 
email us Wheeler Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com 24-7 back-to-back playing of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. See you next time. Bye.